Thanks so much to Mike Collins for reading our readings this week. Joyful denial. What comes to your mind when you hear the word denial? Maybe you think to that story that we'll hear a little bit later this week where Peter denies knowing Jesus three times, just as Jesus said he would. Or maybe what comes to your mind is when you've been at a store or um, uh, you've experienced something uh, maybe online where you have heard those words that your access or the purchase is denied. Maybe it's your credit card not working, or maybe you don't have the right password, but you are not allowed access or um, entry or the ability to be able to do something. Maybe what comes to your mind is um, uh, the denial that, that sometimes happens within us, uh, when when we aren't quite ready to deal with something, aren't quite ready to be able to see something. Um, and so sometimes there can be this, this push, uh, not wanting to talk about something, not wanting to think about something. And sometimes it can be a, a protective measure. Sometimes that's our body's way of being able to help us only handle what we can handle in that moment. Uh, Sometimes when there's um, a tragedy or or something really painful or difficult or that's just too much, it's just overwhelming for our bodies. And so our bodies kind of protect us and try and allow us to tackle bits of it as we're able to. That short-term kind of denial can be good for us. But sometimes... uh, In our lives, we can put our blinders in front of our eyes for much too long. And then that can be uh, where it works against us, where it becomes unhealthy for us. And if we take a good hard look at ourselves, I'm sure we'll all find places within us um, or even in our beliefs or um, in our views in our, um, the way that we see each and every day of our lives, there are some places and some things that um, we may, might be in denial about. We wish they weren't there. And sometimes it's good to have people around us who can help us to see those things for ourselves, especially as we're ready, and then to help us um, have the right tools and resources and ways to be able to to hopefully make some progress with all of those things. When it comes to denial, there are so many definitions of what it means and what it looks like. In our gospel for today, it is a story that we know so well. We hear it every year, the week before Easter. And as we hear it, we also know what is to come as this week goes on, the beginning now of Holy Week, the last week of Jesus's life, as Jesus enters into Jerusalem. On the Jewish calendar at this time, it was the yearly festival of the Passover, 
where the faithful who, who could travel would make their way to Jerusalem to celebrate this meal, this meal of remembrance, of remembering what God had done long ago for their ancestors in the time of Moses, where Moses told the people, you have to get ready. God is going to lead us out of the land of Egypt and out of slavery. And when the time comes, we have to be quick and ready to go. And so as this night comes, this was the menu, something that could be prepared fast, eaten, and would give them strength for the journey ahead but also um, a little bitter, too, in recognizing the pain of life lost and the pain of um, having to suffer as, as servants, as slaves in that country, the pain of um, uh, all that they had experienced. And so all of these things were tied into that meal, and every year people would tell it once again, they would tell it to the children so that everyone would remember what their ancestors had been through and they would remember what God had done, how God had led Moses and the people out of Egypt into the promised land. You also probably remember, as you heard this story, that leading up to this, Jesus had been saying these strange and ominous things to the disciples. Things about how the Son of Man must undergo suffering and be rejected and be killed, but on the third day be raised. Now, I am not sure how I would have reacted. I'm guessing it probably would have been similar to Peter, who would have tried to dismiss those words of Jesus. No, Jesus, don't talk like that. Don't say such things. Because there's always going to be people who don't like you, who don't agree with you. There's always going to be people who are jealous of you and who don't understand what, where you're coming from and what you're trying to say. But don't let any of them stop you from doing what you are doing. And there it is. Denial. Denial on Peter's part and on my own as well. This denial that something bad could happen, even if... You are doing it for all the right reasons. This denial that to follow Jesus surely, certainly would imply that the way is going to be smooth sailing for all of us instead of the reality that living is inherently dangerous. And especially when you are living intently and purposefully for the sake of others, there's going to be even more danger that you are faced with. All of this happens to right after Peter had gotten it right. When Jesus had asked the disciples that question, who do people say that I am? And some said John, John the Baptist, others Elijah, others one of the prophets. And then Peter answered, you are the Messiah of God. What was most important was what they believed about who Jesus was. And in that moment, Peter got it right. He was able to respond. You are the Messiah. 
the anointed one who has been promised through the scriptures. Peter and the 11 had just also witnessed the feeding of the 5,000. This amazing miracle where there's more than enough to go around. And there's even leftovers too. They've been hearing Jesus teach people. They've been seeing a healing that has been experienced in people's lives like never before. And there is this hope that they are filled with as they listen and observe everything that Jesus does. There is this hope of what will finally now come to be. There is this hope of their role in all of it. And there is this hope of how their lives will be changed for the good. But maybe, maybe they also tell themselves what they want to hear. And maybe they create the roles of who they want to be. Educated, prominent, wise, respected, important, great, instead of who they really are. Nobody's uneducated, not wealthy, no particular status or importance, not the great teachers. And maybe the biggest denial of all of their thinking is that by following Jesus, it will ensure this smooth pathway for the rest of their lives, that the road ahead of them will be one in which people come to them looking for help, wanting to, to shower praise and thanksgiving upon them, shower them with gifts and accolades, that people will come to them looking for their advice, seeking their wisdom, that they will be the people who will be sitting at Jesus's left and at his right and in his court when he comes and sits on his throne as the Messiah that they hoped he would be, the king now come, God's king on earth. Denial. Denial. They also thought that by following Jesus, it would mean that their life would be easy from here on out. That there would never again be any threat from a political ruler. That they would never be looked down upon or excluded by any religious group or authority. That they would never have to face any disease or anything that changed their physical ability. They would never have to face any natural hardship. They would never have to face any economic hardship, any emotional or relationship difficulty. Denial. Denial. And if we look within, I am sure that we have our own list too of the things in life that we have come to think to be true if we follow Jesus. Maybe our own denial of what following Jesus actually looks like. What if their denial was in part 
protected, there to protect them. Because all of the things that Jesus has been saying would have been just too much. It would have been too overwhelming for them to take. And so Jesus predicted his death and resurrection, not once, but three times. And as we get closer and closer to this gospel for today, he becomes even more intent on trying to prepare them for what will come. As I read this gospel again, it is as if Jesus recognizes that they're going to need some time to process his words. And it's also as if he recognizes that they need a way to be able to act out, to live out, to carry out this hope that they have within them about who Jesus is and what that will mean. It's as if Jesus allows them to hold on to their hope, even if it's going to look very different than how they imagined the Messiah to be. They needed Jesus to tell them multiple times of what they needed to prepare for. They needed some time to be able to process it all, and they needed some time to look back after it had all happened and then suddenly begin to fully understand what Jesus had been trying to tell them all along. In the chapter just before this, Jesus says for the third time that he is going to suffer and die, but on the third day be raised. And after he says that to them, in verse 40, 34, it says this, but they understood nothing about these things. In fact, what Jesus had said was hidden from them. And they did not grasp what was said. It was denial. Denial overwhelmed by what they were hearing from Jesus' lips. Overwhelmed at what that would mean for their own lives. Overwhelmed by what it would do to the hope that they so desperately wanted to cling to. So here Jesus symbolically instructs them to go and take someone's young colt that's been tied up. And if, if the owner asks what you're doing, just tell them the Lord needs it. Oh, of course. And then come and bring it. And as they enact all of this, Jesus also allows them to treat him like royalty for once in his life. And so they do. They get out the palm branches and their cloaks and they spread it before him. And then here's the line that really stood out and struck me. As Jesus was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord and glory in the highest heaven. Peace in heaven. Joyfully. They begin to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles 
that they have seen and heard and experienced from Jesus. And I started wondering if deep down these crowds didn't have a little inkling, a little sense that Jerusalem might not be the best place for Jesus to travel to. And yet, even if they were still trying to deny what they feared most, they were able to joyfully give thanks to God for all that they had seen and heard and experienced from this Jesus, the one who had come in the name of the Lord. Joyful denial. Sort of a paradox, don't you think? The fears and the worries and the denial of everything within us and around us that we can't change or control all the time, along with all of the things that are so very hard, the things that we wish were not realities in this world that we live in. And holding on to that, along with everything that we have seen and heard and experienced from this Jesus, of all of the things that we have seen God do within us and within the people around us and within our world so that our gratitude cannot be contained. It's amazing to hold on to those two very different realities, hey? Maybe it is the rare gift of the Spirit to allow us to do just that, to hold these two very different sets of emotions all at once. Never letting go of these things that we have to give thanks for from what God has done, while also in great hope, trusting that that work is not yet done, and holding on to the hope of all that will be, even if we can't fully comprehend it all ourselves. And if we do that, then our joyful praise can't be contained either. And so even in the midst of all of the denials within us and around us of all of the things that we fear and can't quite fully grasp, we can't help. But with the loudest of voice, voices and with great thanksgiving and trust and hope, we proclaim, thanks be to God.